I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Amy and I dug into all things money and we really talked a lot about how do we make more and how do we keep more? And it was so interesting because we really talked a lot about the the heart and soul of money and the mindset and the, the thought patterns and the way that we need to shift our relationship with money and not in an overwhelming way, in a way that feels really safe really expansive and really just talking about money as a journey and how we can just slowly move into a better relationship with money so we can get the money that we want and do the things that we want with it. And it's such, such a great message that I am so excited to share with you today. So make sure you take a little walk or relax in your chair and listen in. I think you're in for a treat. Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Hello friends, welcome. Today is going to be a super exciting episode. We are joined by Amy Schultz and she's the co-founder of Boulder Money, which is a company on a mission to close the gender wealth gap with financial coaching that addresses the emotional side of money. Amy left her career as an actuarial wealth consultant to pursue money coaching when she recognized the need for inclusive and shame-free personal finance guidance in her own life. Since then, Amy has brought the power of money coaching to thousands of women, helping them earn more money, pay off debt, build savings, and ultimately create better lives. Amy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thanks for that. And yeah, I'm um, I'm just glad to be on the show and excited to talk to you about all this today. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite topics because finance has always been something that has excited me, which is not the case for everybody. And I think it's kind of one of those things that A lot of us grew up in homes that maybe we didn't have too much exposure to it or for whatever the reason that it's not as an exciting of a topic. It's kind of stressful, especially when we're trying to do it with a partner or just, you know, getting by in today's landscape of, of, you know, wages and stuff like that. You talk about approaching the money conversation with compassion. So why mm. is that so important right now? Yeah. It is, thank you for, for saying that. It is so important. A lot of it comes from, you know, my own experience around money. And when I was in my late twenties, so this was, um, 2017, I had $30,000 in credit card debt. I had $50,000 in student loans. I had no savings other than my 401k. And I was just spending a lot of money to keep up with the lifestyle that I wanted and and thought I needed. But I would have never gone to talk to somebody about it because I was so embarrassed and so ashamed of my situation. And I just felt like I need to keep this behind closed doors because nobody's going to understand this. So they're just going to judge me and make me feel bad and like take away all the things that I love. So 
now to be on the other end of that and like coaching women through that. So many times we get people on a first call and they're like, I didn't know help like this existed. Everywhere else that I look are people saying that like you should do this or you should do that. And they're just things that I, that do not fit in my lifestyle. And so I was so afraid to ask for help. Um, it's so important to have compassion and to show compassion and to make that space because that allows people to open themselves up for help. Otherwise, they're going to keep doing what they're doing and they're going to be quiet about it and um, avoid that shame and embarrassment and potential judgment as, as long as possible. Totally. It's, it's funny because I've gone through, you know, this roller coaster with money as like yeah. a lot of us have, and I can totally see myself and I, I bet you probably the listeners can too see themselves in that story of at some point in their life, maybe it's now, maybe it was in their past or whatever, yeah. but that experience of <clears throat> the, the shit, the, the shame really it is, it's, it's, you feel like you're alone. It's so, it's such a strange thing. We just haven't been, I think there's a lot more conditioning to talk about money, but it's still so personal. And it's like a reflection of ourselves. Well, we do, right? Yes, that's exactly it. I'll talk to women about like making changes in other areas of their lives. And I'm like, okay, so if we look at the money situation, like how, how does that feel in terms of making this a similar change? And it, it kind of helps them realize like it's because they're making it so personal because society has told them if you don't do the right things with your money, you're actually a bad person. And if you have debt, you're a bad person and all these things that are just absolutely not true, but that people really take that to heart and it, and they carry that around with them. And it's really sad to see. Yeah. And it's something you can hide, like some things you can't hide right. if, yeah. you know, there's some things that are apparent on the surface, but that's something that you can. And it's just like this kind of insidious poison that seeps into the rest of your life when you're struggling in one area and it affects the other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, For sure. And we see people with where like they're making a good salary, but they they're in debt or they don't have savings or they they're still really stressed about money and they, they do, they hide it so well because it's about like, you know, keeping up with the lifestyle and making sure that like the outside looks okay that nobody knows on the inside, you're really struggling and it it can be very painful. Yeah, totally. So do you think, especially because I know you're talking about closing the wealth gap and Mm -hmm. I know that's different, not necessarily the exact same as the pay gap, but you know, in this ownership piece of women, um, you know, having assets and ownership of things and stuff like that. But do you think that people or women, especially because we're such emotional creatures, Mm -hmm. um, admit defeat almost before they give themselves a chance sometimes? Good question. I, yeah, I think that's an interesting one. To me, I look at it as there's definitely an element of hopelessness there for a lot of people because they've seen defeat with money over and over again in their lives, whether that's from their parents, whether it's from um, they see TV shows where, where the people that look like them are the ones who are struggling and they just kind of believe that story for themselves that this is how it's going to be. So it's almost like um, acceptance of this, mm-hmm. this is the truth for me with money. So we do have to kind of undo that and undo that conditioning around, no, you're not bad at money. You're not, this is not how it always has to be. There are things that we can do to work around it. Um, 
yeah, there's definitely some sort of like this, this is just, you know, I'm just not good with money. This is just how it is. And that's really, it's sad to see. It's also just very common for people, even people who, who are doing really good with their money or who are making right choices. It's kind of like the default sometimes. It's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm just bad with this. So yeah, we definitely see that. It's kind of funny too, because we, I mean, I think that probably for my age, I have more exposure to financial knowledge. Like I've read a lot of books, worked in a bank, worked in investments, all that kind of stuff. And even still, I make money mistakes, like what I classify (laughs) money mistakes, right? And for, for somebody who has never worked in a bank, has never worked in an investment, you know, area with investments, maybe, maybe has read one or no, no financial books. And just for that to be the thought, like, it's so funny because it's like, of course, of like, what do you, what, what, under what um, reason would you think to be, that you would be good at money because it's nothing against you. It's just, you don't have experience. Like we experience is the greatest teacher. Right. Nobody's ever taught this. Yeah. Like it's, we're so hard on ourselves for something that we, it's not like we learned really money skills in school. Some of us learned from our parents. Some of us didn't like, it's, it's so funny. We go there, you know, in our mindset that we're like, no, I'm not good at money because chances are we probably haven't even had enough experience for us to even feel like, you know, we, we, we know much about it in the first place, you know, and how to manage it well. And that's, I'm not saying that as against anyone. I'm just saying like, give yourself some grace and space because how would you ever think that you should be good at money? Because it's not been part of your life. Yeah. It's a societal problem and a cultural problem that we're like, everybody grows up not talking about money. And then we're like, oh, shame on you. (laughs) You don't know all the things you didn't read about this. Yeah. (laughs) that's what we're working on a lot is confidence it's not you know even when sometimes they have the the literacy like they've read things or you know I I had a um I have a degree in economics and finance and I was still making a lot of money mistakes and it was around that that level of confidence and like the emotional relationship so it's yeah there's so many different factors going into that Mm -hmm. that's actually really interesting that you say that with you know, I've heard this before and I'm curious what your take is on it. We talk about the relationship with money mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot, and I know your background, you have a lot of um, like mind, like mindset around money mm-hmm. and things like that. What, it, what does a good relationship with money even look like or what, like, what does that shift even look like having a poor relationship to a good relationship with money? Great question. I love that you brought that up um, because m- most of the time we think about like, okay, how do we un- how do we pick apart the bad things? Yeah. But so people forget to look at, okay, how does how should this be modeled for me, or what should I look to? So mm-hmm. a good relationship with money can mean different things to different people, just depending on what their goals are. But if you take a step back and look at it in general, it's really can I decide that I want to do something with my money, and can I go out and do that? So whether it's, can I, so do I believe in my, my abilities with money, right? Myself. So it, whether it's, you know, I want to earn more money. Do I know how to look out for opportunities for myself? Do I know how to come up with a side hustle or ask for a raise for at work or raise my prices for my clients? 
If it's that, I need to um, get out of debt. It's not necessarily that you weren't ever in a place where you have made no mistakes ever. It's okay to make Mm -hmm. mistakes. You can still have a good relationship with money if you have debt. But it's about, do I know how to get out of this debt? Do I know how Mm -hmm. to take steps to undo something that maybe I did before when I didn't have a very good relationship with money? It also comes down to the moments. So a lot of times we think like, okay, in order to be good with money, you have to have this much in investments and you have to like have this much in an emergency fund. And yes, those things are important, but it can, it can, you can have a good relationship with money and still be on a journey with money if you're paying mm. attention to what are, what am I doing in the little moments? So for example, somebody who wants to build savings for um, a trip or even savings just for an emergency and an opportunity comes up that would be really expensive for them and like throwing them off of their goals, are they able to look at that from a rational place? And say, wow, this might be really exciting to me right now, but do I have to do this right now? Well, I really want to tackle all these other goals with my money. So somebody who's able to look at that and be reasonable about it and make the the true best choice for them, that's what we consider a good relationship with money. I love that. I love that definition. Thank Thank you for sharing that. That is, so what I'm hearing you say is it's really about, can we make intentional money decisions that meet us where we want to be and where we want to go, not just um, in that moment, that kind of impulsivity, being able to look at it with a rational rationality that we can say, is this going to take me where I want to go? And I love that you described it as a journey because I think people get so hung up with where they should be. And they're like, I'm not there. That's where I should be. You know, whatever Google search told me I'm 30 and I should have a net worth of 50,000 at least or you know what I mean it's just like we have this should be and it's all different like my should be probably is different than your should be but the fact that we can look at this as a journey it's the same thing as life right it's like there's no end destination but we have this pressure on ourselves to be at the end destination but if we can just love on this experience of our life the money part of our life as a journey, it's so much more fun because we're like, okay, that didn't work. That was probably learn from my lessons. So I won't do that again. Or that worked really well. Let's do more of that or whatever. And it's just such a empowered place to sit, I think. Yeah, I agree because then it becomes about, you know, maybe I'm working past something. I'm working on building savings. I'm working on investing more Um, You can view yourself as doing really well and being in the middle of it. You're more likely to keep going because we see people quit when they feel so far away from where they want to be. And they just feel like that hopelessness that we talked about. Like, I'm never going to get there because like, yeah, like they said, I, somebody said I needed to have $2 million and I have exactly negative $16,000 in the bank. And they're like, okay, so I'm never going to get there. What's the point? So we have to think about, okay, yes, maybe you are in debt or maybe you are, um, you know, earning $100,000 a year and living paycheck to paycheck, but you did these things today to improve your situation and you started talking about money in a different way today. And so that's just step one. And that means you're on the journey now and that's okay. So I think once we can teach people that, they start having more acceptance for themselves, that shame starts going away. And a big part of what we do at Boulder is include community because so many women think that they are struggling alone and they think that they're the only ones on the journey and everybody else is just already on the other side of the journey. 
especially if they're in their 30s or 40s. So it is, totally. yeah, it's got to be about the journey. It makes a huge difference. It's totally true. And those little micro steps make all the difference. It's the whole, like, I mean, we know it. It's the, you know, t- the turtle wins the race and slow right. and steady. And, and we we hear all these stories, but for some reason we don't absorb them for this. And I hope if anyone is listening, <laughs> like I hope that you absorb this for yourself today because, yeah. you know, I was talking with a friend a couple weeks ago and we were talking about kind of reflecting on 2022. And she was like, you know what's so funny? I never really um, went through this exercise of this re- reflection exercise before. And she's like, when I thought about my life in 2022, she's like, I wasn't like super excited about it. Like, I didn't think that I did much. I didn't think that I, you know, it was, it was kind of like a crappy year, to be honest, Mm -hmm. if she, like, if I was going to say at face value. And she's like, and then I started listing my accomplishments and the things that I had done. And she's like, I saved like a couple thousand dollars. And for her as a single mom at the time, like that was, that's like a big thing. And she's like, I totally didn't even realize but I was she's like I was like saving a little bit at a time and so it's like tiny little micro steps that we underestimate over the course of the of the time like that two million is totally attainable it's just it's the mindset it's the micro habits that take us there but it's so it is it's so easy to be like oh that feels so far away I'm never gonna get there like just just forget it yeah, exactly. I'm not yeah, gonna do it's that. easy to forget how far you've come to. Like your friend yeah. is a perfect example of that. We see that a lot that, you know, we have to remind our clients so often and our community members, like, look at what you've done. Maybe yeah. it doesn't feel like a lot to you, but it's, oh my gosh, like you, even just if, if the only thing they've done that week is that they had a new awareness about yes. something in their relationship with money. That's huge. We were just celebrating a client today where she felt like it wasn't a lot because all in her mind, all she did was uncover all these other things that she now has to work on. But we're like, oh my God, you uncovered them. Like you, you know, you got to the point where you have that awareness and now we know how to, how to, un, um, or how to tear down the barrier. You know, totally. we can get past that money block, money block now. So it is, there's so much, there's so much emotional stuff with money and especially with women where we're just conditioned oh to God. think that we're not doing enough and that we never will do enough. Yeah. So part of your mission is to close the wealth gap. I know that, especially for women. What do you think is the biggest challenge or roadblock that's getting in the way of women? Is it just like a non-awareness? Is it not thinking? Like, what is it? So the, well, so I'll break it down for anybody who doesn't know. So the, the gender pay gap is something that we hear about a lot. And that is that women earn about, I think it's 82 cents to the dollar that men earn. Um, the gender wealth gap is what women own compared to what men own, so net worth, and that number is like thirty-two cents to the dollar. So we wish that, yeah, we wish that number was the gender pay gap right now. And so there's there's two factors that always stick out to me as things that like we are addressing individually with our clients, but also that need to be addressed um, in our society. The way that that women and men have different roles in our society. So the one is um, obviously the the pay gap, but specifically when it comes to mothers. So mothers earn 70 mm. cents on the dollar to fathers. And the way we have childcare, our society is really set up so that mothers have a very hard time 
um, being able to, you know, walk into a work environment and ask for the money that they deserve and then say, okay, yes. And actually I need to leave at 4 PM to get my kids every day. It's very, it's, it's, you know, it's very hard in our culture. Yeah. So we coach women around things like that too. The other thing is whether there's kids or not, it's the role that women play in managing the household. So women spend 70 to 80% of household purchases. So they're really driving, you know, they have so much economic power, mm-hmm. but what's happening is that women are then more worried about keeping up with their regular expenses than they are looking at their future, um, future savings or future goals. So, you know, a lot of times we get women who come in and they are managing the money for their households and they've been doing it themselves for a long time and they're kind of like in over their heads and they, they need help getting organized and figuring it all out. And, you know, we, our initial reaction is like, yes, we have to figure this out because we also need to talk to you about retirement. We also need to talk to you about saving so that you can get out of this, this debt cycle or get out of this paycheck to paycheck cycle. So I think that's a huge part of it is that that's overlooked a lot of times um, by other financial experts is that the way that we're managing household expenses and the way that we are consumers in our society is it's really holding a lot of women back. And there's so many experts who will say like, well, stop buying coffee and stop buying this and that. (laughs) And it's not like, it's not the coffee. It's like the basic living expenses that like a lot, you know, a lot of people are just, um, they, they got used to, to living above their means or they got, you know, they got used to just solving problems with money instead of saving and holding on to money. And that just becomes the lifestyle. So I think those two factors in general are things that we see a lot that we're working on with our clients. And we're, and again, we have to do that with compassion because it can feel like you've, you learned about money in the wrong way. You learned to do something wrong with money. And we're like, no, yeah. this is just how, you know, most of our society operates. Yeah. You don't really get far with berating yourself or being shamed. Right. Like you'll make change by being, you know, you, for example, exercise, like you look in the mirror and you're like, I don't like what I see. I'm going right. to work harder at the gym. But it's just, it's, it's short, it's powerful, but it's short term. It's not that right. long-term thinking and it's not, yeah, it, it doesn't work long-term. The com- yeah. I really love that compassionate edge, especially with women, because it's just allows, allows us to feel safe and be able to make change in a safe environment. And it, it makes all the difference, I think. Yeah, I think so. We, like, we even incorporate into the way that we talk about spending, so we'll call, we won't say budgeting, we'll call it an intentional spending plan because Ugh, we that. want, yeah, we don't want them to feel restricted. We don't want them to feel like they can't have the things that they want to have. We even have them um, look back on past transactions and reflect them or sorry, categorize them by emotion because we want them to look at, you know, what truly brings you joy, what really like makes you feel alive that we want to hold on to. And what are the other things where you're just spending, um, you know, maybe we could cut back on a little bit to put more money towards your goals. So there's times where we're working with women and we notice like they have, they have no spending on wellness. They have no spending on taking care of themselves or like doing something that brings them joy. Mm. So we're actually like working on adding that back in because we're like, if you're not doing that, all the other things are so much harder because you're just miserable and you're just like floating through and just trying to get by. And so we have to teach you how to enjoy life so that with your money, so that you feel a healthy relationship with money and you feel like, yeah, I can use it for what I want and I'm capable of doing that. Oh my gosh. I love that exercise. I'm literally going to do that with myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good because it's, 
I literally went through this for myself because I was like, what? Um, cause sometimes purchases will feel frivolous and you, and you hear people say, oh, that's like, you right. know, it's the whole, you know, you get your coffee, whatever we've all right, heard yeah. in the money space. But, um, and for me, it was my nails and I would never get my nails done. Cause I was like, it's an unnecessary purchase. It's not <laughs> worth it. It's not whatever, but I love getting my nails right. done. And I was like, you know what? I'm getting my nails done, and, right. but it it's creates intentionality. It creates yeah. because now I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my nails done, but I'm not going to do this. And I'm going to put that in savings or investing instead, because I'm. Yeah. it's creating that more of an intentional experience and relationship with your money. And I love that yeah. so, so much. Oh my gosh. That's such a good exercise for everyone listening. Go do that exercise. Yes. Go do month. it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my last month and just, you know, reflect on what, what lit you up from the things that you made mm-hmm. a purchase on? You said something really interesting that I've never heard before, and I'm curious what you meant by it. You said spending to save a, to solve a problem. What mm. do you mean by that? Yeah. So we so in the that's right out of the the words of our clients that come to us. So in the pandemic, a lot of people started feeling like they couldn't control a lot anything in their lives. Right but they could solve problems by spending. So by having things delivered, by um, decorating their homes, by renovating their homes, by buying new um, clothes, comfy clothes, and so buying house plants. So we, you know, money, it, it's a coping mechanism really, but it sometimes it becomes about, I have other problems in my life and that I can't resolve. So maybe if I, if I buy this or I spend on this, it will solve it instead. That's something that we see a lot. It's pretty common um, with our – Makes sense. Yeah, with our spenders. And so what we do is we're not necessarily saying like we never want to say you can't spend. We want to say what do you really need to be spending on? Mm. So an example of this is somebody who um, you know, really wants to be healthier and they keep buying different – different clothes and things to make themselves feel better when, when, because they, because they don't want to spend money on a personal trainer or on a health coach or something. So we're like digging into that. Like, okay, so you're, you know, you're spending a thousand dollars a month on clothes. You're how much would a personal trainer be? And then you'd like start really feeling like you're getting to the root of the thing that you actually want to be doing. So we're, we're talking about values. We're talking about like, not only you know, what are your money goals, but what are your life goals? What do you really want? And how do we make sure that, that your money is supporting that? Um, and not just being used as like a, a bandaid for something else that's going on. Mm. Oh my gosh. What a healthy environment to kind of shift your mindset about money. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I Thank love you. everything you do. So good. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I get so excited and emotional about money too, because it's just, yeah. it is, it's such a big thing societal, like in our, in our society I know. for sure. Yeah. I remember being so ashamed, uh, yeah, about my own situation and and just sometimes, you know, when we get clients and they're teary-eyed because they're like, I didn't know this existed. To me, that's like, I, that's what I needed. So it just, it makes me feel good. Oh, everything's worth it in that moment. You're like, this is why I do what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's awesome. So is there something, because we're talking about spending right now, yeah. Um, is there something about the stress of living paycheck to paycheck? Because I know that like this is an interesting mentality for me. Um, it seems to create. And when I think about I'm relating this to myself, too, because I, I don't want anyone like full full. I'm always very transparent here. Like this is right. just me 
talking with amazing, incredible people about my lessons and your lessons so that we can shortcut something for someone else. Like this is never like, you know, pointing right. down from a podium. And being like, <laughs> you should, but the stress of living pay- paycheck to paycheck seems to create more impulsive spending mm-hmm. behaviors. And this is what I've experienced anyways in myself. And so it's like, it's the only, it's like, okay, I have this, this $30 left over after I paid my rent and did my groceries and whatever, I'm going to spend it on something that it's more of that impulsive purchase because less of that intentionality, because it's like the one chance I have while this $30 is in my bank account to have a good time and to enjoy the fact that I went to work for 40 hours this week. Yeah. Yeah. When what I've experienced is like once making more than what I need, there was a lot more intentionality about my decisions about money. Is there like, what's, what's going up? Do you see that? Yeah. Again, it's different for everybody. It could be based on, you know, what you saw that that's what, just what you saw your parents do. But two patterns that I see for sure is that one is that you kind of get to the feeling of like, what's the point? Yeah. So, you know, you're going to spend that money anyways. Um, A lot of times people have a hard time seeing how, a $30 purchase instead of $30 in savings is that big of a deal. And so right. if they only have $30 left over, they're not going to save to try to get ahead next time they're going to spend it. The second is, I think, about control. So what like what you were just describing to me, that sounds like, you know, I can't con- – I feel out of control. I feel like money is not in my control right now, but I'm going to – you know, I'm just going to make this, this purchase, and that's going to feel like I have a little – at least a little bit of control, the joy mm. that I'm bringing into my life. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are just two things that we see, but a lot of it comes from living in, um, a feast or famine pattern with money. If you saw that growing up, or if you saw growing up that like money goes out, money does not stay with you. Mm. It can be hard to overcome that and to develop the habit of holding on to your money, especially when your bank account is telling you, look, you don't have any money (laughs) or, you know, Mm -hmm. look, money is scarce for you. It can be, it's almost like proof. And so you, you self-sabotage and you just keep doing the same patterns over and over again. That makes so much sense. It's kind of like that solving or spending to solve a problem. And then exactly that scarcity mindset. So that's actually a perfect segue to what I was thinking too. I wanted to talk about was there's making more money. And Mm -hmm. if we have time, maybe we'll circle back to how do we, like, what are some options for us when Mm -hmm. we're looking at how do we, how do we make more money, but there's making money and then there's keeping money. (laughs) And, you know, is we see it even with celebrities that go bankrupt sometimes, like they've got so much money, but but it's whether it's keeping up with the Joneses or whatever, or whatever that is, those money habits, why is keeping money such an issue? Yeah. Because we live in a society where keeping, like, money appears to buy happiness. Money is, like, Mm -hmm. everywhere. Like, we see ads of people where they're living a certain lifestyle, and so we're trying to keep up with that. It is keeping up with the Joneses to an extent. And so, you know, no one's really walking around, like, I mean, I guess sometimes, but talking about how amazing it feels to have an emergency fund. Mm. Nobody's like, God, I feel amazing. It's not sexy as a boat or whatever. (laughs) Right. I am so hot right now because I have this emergency fund. So we just aren't, yeah, it's not as easy to see how good that feels. And 
it's hard to teach somebody that when they've never experienced it before. It's hard to say to somebody, when you look in your bank account and you have three months of earnings in there and you know that you can make choices based on what you want to do instead of what you have to do because of money, you're going to feel like the absolute best in the world and nothing's going to compare to it. It's hard to, to teach that to somebody. So what we do is we start shifting their mindset with like affirmations and with little steps around like, I love having this money in the bank. Mm. I love having, I love putting money towards savings. It makes me feel powerful and in control and maybe sexy if that's the goal Mm -hmm. to put money into my savings account to invest my money instead of just to be spending it. We have to rework the thinking that buying things is the only way to feel good about money and get like that, that um, hit of feeling good because of money. We have to think that yes, having it in a bank account, having savings, feeling secure, that's also the good, the, an amazing feeling too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's just that, you know, sometimes if, if we've, ne- if somebody's never been in that necessarily that experience, had that experience before, they just don't know what they don't know a little bit and they have to experience it first. Yeah. I think sometimes if they had savings and then something happened where mm. it goes away, then they get that feeling again of like, what's the point? So it's just, you know, if yeah. you could, there's plenty of people where they come into a lot of money and then it just goes away. We get clients where they're like, I'm coming into this money from my, you know, my grandpa passing away or whatever. And I'm so afraid I'm just going to spend it all. Like, what do I do with it? Yeah. And so we're like, okay, cool. We're going to set up these accounts and we're going to work with you on that feeling. Because if, if it's not this situation, it'll be another one. So we have to get you used to feeling like you know that you're going to make the best choices for you instead of just spending all of this money. And yeah, spend some of it. Like, that's okay. Yeah, Totally. It's funny. It's such a, you don't think, um, necessarily it feels very practical, like, okay, in and out. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. money in money out. Money's such a mental game. It is. Yeah. Really like the, the, a lot of experts will talk about the energy of it. And I think that's very true that people view it as having all this power and this control. And it's really like, no, it's a tool for you to use to make the life that you want, but you have to understand its role in your life and the emotions that you have with it because otherwise it is in the driver's seat and we don't want Mm -hmm. that. We want you to be in control of it. Yeah. And that's part of that developing that really good relationship. Yeah. So I guess when we talk about having that um, ability to overcome when we have the impulse to spend, we talked a little bit about like, how do we keep that? What is the, when circling back for a second on making money, because we're kind of talking about like making money and keeping it, what are some strategies, especially when you're talking about women closing the wealth gap, what are some practical ways that if somebody's listening right now, they can consider of ways to actually bring more money in, make more? Is it like go right for the ask your boss for a raise kind of thing? Right. (laughs) That's the big money here, you know? Yeah, I'll start like kind of at at a um, broader level and then I can break it down into different things depending on their situation. I think at a high level, it has to be around developing a self-advocacy mindset. A lot of times I hear from women that they're kind of like head down, like just trying to get through the day, like maybe they don't love their job or maybe they, they are just really busy. They have a lot going on. They're managing a lot. And so they, you kind of like forget to to pick your head up and think about, okay, what are my needs right now? What are my needs financially? Do I need to earn more money? So that's the first thing is always be thinking about, you know, what 
what can I be doing to advocate for myself? Am I doing it in this moment? That's kind of at a high level of everything. For somebody who is an employee, what we see a lot is that they tend to think that the only time or the the only right way to earn more is to have that one conversation and to go to your boss and ask for a raise or to wait until the annual review. A lot of times it's that's not the the right timing. Like if it's at the annual review, those those decisions around what you're earning might have already been made. Mm-hmm. And if you go to your boss and ask for a raise, sometimes it's not um you know, you have to do a lot of like backtracking and and looking up past accomplishments and making sure that they understand the value of what you've done. So what we tell people who are employees is to start thinking of this as like, this is a journey that you're, you're on year round. And this is something that you're going to start doing every month is thinking about what do I want to earn and when, and what projects and opportunities do I need to make sure are on my plate so that I'm advancing to that level so that I'm like showing my supervisor or my managers or whoever that like, yes, I deserve to move up to this next level. So what's pretty common, unfortunately, is that people meet with their supervisors like every six months. Mm -hmm. We say like, try to set up more frequent calls with them and let them know like, these are my goals. These are the things that I want to accomplish. So, you know, ask them what projects can I take on? What does the path to promotion look like? That's what we mean by self-advocacy, because unfortunately, a lot of times supervisors are not doing that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you're somebody who has kids, it can feel like, you know, I, maybe I'm not working as much as everybody else. Maybe I'm like feeling like I'm, I don't deserve this because of that. And it's just not true. So you have to be able to think of it from the standpoint of, of self-advocacy and, and they're not necessarily going to come to me and tell me that I'm like doing a stellar job. So how do I, what do I need to put in place so that I'm showing them that? Mm, it's more of a proactive versus a it reactive is. You have approach. to be proactive. Yeah. We, um, anytime that I do talks around like specifically asking for a raise, I'll say like, we have to include a section on the follow-up and like next steps because sometimes they're going to say no. And then you have to think of it as it's not just one conversation. It's okay. So what do I need to do in the next three to six months to make this happen? So it's just, that's just a change in the way that we think about jumps in pay it takes it away from okay it's on it's on completely on their plate and it's like what can I do to make sure that that happens do you find people don't this is like a whole other thing (laughs) but um thinking about your I'm using air quotes enough number and like what it is for you personally do you find people just they get a job they're like okay that's the salary of that job And that's what I'm going to adjust my spending to. And there's kind of two sides to this coin of this Mm -hmm. enough number is like, do people not consider that and then just try and make do and then end up scraping by because they're not being, um, they're not staying true to themselves of what they need, what's enough for them and their family to live with intentionality, do the things that are, are important to them. Um, and they just try and make it work with the job they happen to get, whether or not they're getting the raises. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly what you just described. So people get a number of a salary and they're like, okay, this is what I make now. So I'll adjust my life to that. And they forget to include savings goals. They forget to include like all the things that are coming out of your paycheck, like retirement and healthcare and taxes. And so then all of a sudden, you know, they are really scraping to get by. 
but in, again, it's about, you know, the, they view the power as being with the company instead of looking at, okay, so what else can I do? Right. So that's where we say, like, look to first look to see, you know, can I make more at my current job benchmark and see what are other similar roles paying? Look at other jobs. Um, I always tell people to pretend like you're job searching every few months, even if you're not, just pretend like you are so that you can stay up to date on what's out there and mm-hmm. what other companies are offering because that helps you stay in the mindset of like, okay, could I be earning more? Mm-hmm. But then also if you feel stuck at your company, you know, don't be afraid to look elsewhere and to think about finding another higher paying job. And also don't be afraid to look into taking it into your own hands and starting a side hustle, mm-hmm. starting earning money, like using whatever skill set you have, um, taking on a remote job, whatever it is, so that you can boost your income. There's so many ways. And I think it, it just starts with, um, like you said, not just accepting it, that this mm-hmm. is my number. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to my sister. This was probably two years ago or something. And she was like, yeah, she was exactly doing what you were saying. She's like, yeah, I'm looking. I'm not like, I I still like my job, but she was looking even though she liked her job. And I think people don't look unless they hate their job so much and they feel stuck. And it's just like this bad energy. And she was like, yeah, I like my job, but I want to, she wanted to make more and she wanted to have better benefits and stuff like that. And she ended up getting this killer job. And there was no, awesome. there was no like stress. She went into the interview. She didn't care if she got it. She was just right. like, yeah, if you want me, you want me. I'm pretty awesome. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just a whole different thing, which was probably a lot more attractive to the interviewer instead of being, yes. having that desperation in the air, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and she did, she leveled up her income, leveled up her benefits and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, good on you. Like that's that. And that's that proactive approach. Yeah, it's just like the looking sometimes. The first there is like that's also sidebar, the feeling that an emergency fund gives you is more calmness in the interviews because you're not freaking out, um, especially if you like lost your job or something, you have that emergency fund there. But also for your sister, um, I was interviewing some of our members recently around what it took for them to earn more because we have members that recently like got 10 to 15% raises, which... If you listen to the media right now, it makes it feel like that's impossible right now. And it's just not true. But so I was interviewing them. What did it take for you to do that? And they're like, I, most of them were like, I just had to look (laughs) like I had my head in the sand. And until my coach was like, Hey, can you look at other opportunities to earn more like that? You know, that would be amazing in helping you meet your goals. Then they started doing it and they were like, Oh yeah, I'm totally underpaid. And the amazing Mm -hmm. thing is that the one a couple of them had gone to their managers to ask for raises before they went to look for their jobs. And their managers were like, oh yeah, we've known you've been underpaid for a while. So yeah, we are, we'll give you a pay bump. Like, and, and she's like, oh my God, look, everybody else knew. Yeah. She's like, you guys knew, they knew. I didn't know. So it was just about the looking. Ugh, and that self-advocacy piece. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because no one's going to be like, hey, especially if they're getting bonuses based on profit margins for the business or whatever. They're not going to be like, hey, I don't, think, I don't right. think you're making enough. You should take more from no, the bottom not. Line. I think we'll spend, more, we'll spend more on you right now in this looming recession. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I it does happen if you have somebody really invested in you and yeah. really a personal connection with that person, but more times than not, like they're protecting the bottom line, right? Right. Or they're just not thinking about it. They're not thinking about it either because people get used to like, oh, it comes from the top that so-and-so is getting or that we have this much for raises. 
instead of like advocating. I've met a few amazing HR people and managers who really advocate for their employees a lot. Um, and a lot of times they work at, they've worked at nonprofits where there isn't a lot of budget to go around, but they're like, they're good people, they're mission-based people. And so they really are advocating a lot. And that's amazing to see. I'm like, God, yeah. I wish this was everywhere because it, it would just make everything better, but that's not always the case. Yeah. I, I remember I met someone in my, when I, in my corporate career and he was an executive, like C-suite executive. And he was like, I don't stay more than a year or a year and a half in a role. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't because you, you get, you stagnate, you put your head in the sand, you, right. you're not looking. And he's like, I don't, I make it my own personal. And I don't know if that was about money or personal growth, but I just always remember him saying that. And I was like, huh, interesting. Like it's, it's a, whether it's for growth or for money, it was like, no, I'm not going to allow myself to like sit there and not have that awareness about me and right. what the next step is really. Yeah. He probably did make a lot more money doing that. Definitely. You, know, you do when you switch jobs. Totally. Um, but also when you, yeah, when you make a commitment like, hey, I'd like to get promoted in the year and a half. So what do I have to do? Yeah. I love that. That's such a good mentality. So what is the mentality then that we need to adopt? Like when you're, when you're working with your clients to be able to say, I'm not where I'm, I don't, I'm not where I want to be. And that's okay, but I'm ready to do something about it. Like, how do we get there in our heads so that we can get past the, there's no point. I don't know anyway. Like, how do we get like, this is not good, but I'm going to do something. (laughs) I think there has to be a certain level of discomfort. So if you think about it, a lot of people are just kind of surviving paycheck to paycheck or with using credit cards to have the life they want. So they might not be at a level of pain yet where they're like, yeah, I need to get help with this. It's when they get to the point where the stress of their situation is or the the stress of missed opportunity. So of missing out on the life that they could have or the, the money that they could have. It's when that gets it overpowers the feeling of like, Oh, I'm just, I'm kind of comfortable. I'm just like cruising with what I'm doing. It's also, I think when we get to the point where, you know, what's the alternative where staying exactly as things are is just like unbearable. Like I have to do something different. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when people come to us, they are, they're at that, that step where they're like, you know, maybe I'm, maybe my family has been getting by, I've been getting by, I've been just like, going on all the trips and like enjoying things with my friends. But now I'm at the point where I'm realizing I want to, I have this, this dream or this business that I want to start, or I want to do something else. I want to take time off work and I can't because I don't have the money set up to do that. So for me personally, I was just like cruising along just fine using all the credit cards and spending on everything um, until I had my first son and I had a, a really traumatic birth with him. And I ended up on life support and just like really sick after. Mm. And it was then deciding, like realizing that I was going to have to go back to work and I was too sick and I I wasn't ready yet. And like, I have to go back because I don't have the savings that for me, that's when I was like, shit, like I have to do something about this. Like, but Mm -hmm. before that point I had been fine because I had just always worked. I just always said, okay, I'll just work more. I'll earn more. Like living paycheck to paycheck wasn't it wasn't painful enough until, until it was, I guess. So I think that sometimes is like the catalyst of readiness for people. Mm -hmm. 
And hopefully, hopefully, it's, there's, you know, a point that we can get before that. But I think you're right. It is. It's like the, in the marketing world, we call it like problem solution awareness. It's like, yes, you, yeah. you can't, like, you can't even look to the solution unless you're aware of the problem. Right. And if you're just not there yet. Yeah. And there's different levels of that. Like not everybody um, comes to us in pain. Some people come to us just because they're like, I know I could be doing more. Or like I see all these other people out there with like statistics about what they're earning and what they're saving and all of this. And I just like, I want to be like that. I want to do more. So I think it's either that you you feel like a call to action, whether it's just to fix your situation or to um, to improve your life because you're, something tells you that like, yeah, this, I could be doing better. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. I feel like I could talk about, <laughs> I, know. I could talk about this all day and I'm sure you could too, clearly. I do. Because you love it that much. <laughs> But tell us, for anyone who's listening, um, I know I'll be following along on your journey, but tell us, where can we find you to find out all the things? <laughs> yeah, the best place to go is to bouldermoney.com. So there you can either sign up to work with a coach or you can join our free community. Um, anybody who is interested in improving their situation in you know, boosting their confidence around money, building a healthier relationship with money. I encourage you to try our two-week trial that we offer everybody so you can sign up to work with a coach and um, just see if it's right for you. That's amazing. And we'll put the links, all the links in the chat or in the show, yeah. or sorry, in the show notes. So go to bouldermoney.com, check out Amy, all this good work. This is clearly, I think this is really the way that we need to go in the future with money. So I just yeah. thank you so much for sharing your heart and your expertise. Just so appreciative. Thank you. Thanks for having me and great questions. And I love your understanding and like awareness of all of it. It really, um, it's nice to see. So thank you. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.